here. Oh, we yeah. Go again. Also, what is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Knee on Belly podcast. Yes. We are your host, Nate, Jonathan, and Brandino. <laughs> Brandino's back, baby. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. He's back. He's that's, back. A, that's an announcement right there. I should say that for the <laughs> yeah. news. Yeah, episode's over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what for the people? Brandino's back. Saved it for the new. There we go. Boys, today, <laughs> we're going to recap this past Saturday's UFC fight night, which was headlined by Tom Aspinall and Curtis Blades and another unfortunate ending to a main event that we'll get to here soon then spin it forward with our picks and predictions for this saturday's ufc 277 which is headlined by the rematch between juliana pena and amanda nunez for the women's bantamweight title and brandon moreno versus kai kata france for the men's flyweight title also all the news and happenings in the world of mma but first boys what is up how I always wonder doing? if you're gonna make it to the breakdown in your, in your intro. Yeah, you never know. It's always <laughs> it's always exciting for yeah, me. Yeah, ne- yeah, never know. How you doing, Brandon? Episode eighty eight. Episode eighty eight. We're getting there. Double eights. Double eights. Double eights. Uh, this is the Marvin Harrison episode mm, of the Neon yeah. Belly Podcast. Do you have a lucky nice. number? Uh, no. Mm. Maybe four, just because I'm a quad. I can see it's that. It's usually a go-to. Oh, yeah. Nice. Do you have a lucky number, dude? No, but Brandon just dropping a little fun fact before I could even get one. Mm. He's a quad. Yeah, I'm yeah. a quadruplet. He's a quad. Yep. People yep. don't know this. Mm-hmm. There's four of them. Yeah, can so you believe you, it? So if you fight one. <laughs> We're not even sure if the world needed one, yeah. so God gave us four. Yeah, yeah it's a squad, so be careful. <laughs> yeah, you try to fight him, you fight one, you're fighting all four. <laughs> so I love it. What, was your, what was your fun fact? It's coming. You okay. gotta wait for UFC 277. Oh, we gotta wait for all that? Yeah. You know, You know how we do this. Boys. Let's just get right into it, though. Uh, before we do, Brandon, rate, sub, follow, let the people know. Yeah, our do, public service announcement. Do all those things. Rate, sub, follow. The biggest thing you guys can do for us is um, give us the five star reviews on Apple and leave a comment. We read them on here. Um, so if you ever want to shout out, please do that. It's very helpful for us to grow, um, get mm-hmm. some notoriety, and for people to, you know, reach out all across the globe to know who we are. Um, and you can also follow us on some of our socials. We're on TikTok. Instagram yeah. Yeah. or Twitter, I think. No. Um, not Twitter. MySpace. But TikTok and Instagram are the two big ones. Um, so follow us on Neon Belly Podcast. Yeah. That's right. At Neon Belly Podcast. And boys, moving right into it. Last night or last Saturday. I always London. say last night. I always try not to say that because this comes out on Monday. Right. <laughs> Our last night. That's what you need. To rough say. night at the O2, boys. <laughs> UFC Fight Night London. Uh, before we get to any fights, just a tough card. <laughs> it yeah, was a tough, yeah. tough watch. I mean, uh, I think in the prelims before the main card, eight out of the nine prelims ended in a decision. Mm-hmm. Not really any big performances to talk about either. You know, maybe Nathaniel Wood looked good in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Klein, I can't remember his first name, had a good performance. But nothing crazy to yeah. write home about. Um, so much so to where our main card didn't even start until like, 3.30? 20, 3? 15, 20 minutes late. Yeah. I mean, it was a rough night of fights. People weren't getting post-fight interviews because of it. It's been a while, and, and and this has nothing to do with the crowd. You could just feel the crowd, like, trying to stay mm-hmm. in it for the main event. <clears throat> and then the main event happened, boys. Yeah. And Curtis Blades defeating Tom Aspinall by, by TKO just 15 seconds into round one. Um, Aspinall injuring his knee. 
for the second week in a row, boys. We as fans getting robbed by another main event that was shaping up nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of these guys came straight out firing. No yeah. filling out process. Mm-hmm. They both were going for it right from the beginning. Uh, but in the end, Aspinall throws a right leg kick to Blades, kind of his upper thigh area, and then instantly collapsing, appearing to be in extreme pain. That was tough mm-hmm. to watch, just seeing him in that much visible pain. You know, we've seen like Connor go down or Weidman, and not that those guys weren't in pain, but you know, like. Aspinall was in some right. pain, man. I mean, big we had, guys, man. Yeah, for sure. To hurt your knee and then land back, put your weight back on it. For sure. Oof. And then unlike, you know, the Yair finish last week where we were kind of saying, you know, Yair deserves some credit for the technique of the armbar attempt, at least if nothing else, based off of the replay, kind of hard to see where the injury occurred. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like Blades checked the kick or anything like that. Right. Um, I still, as we sit here today on Sunday afternoon, have not seen any diagnosis or what might have happened there. Um, so I'm sure they're going to take their time figuring it out. But um, nonetheless, Boyd's Curtis Blades went in. I don't know what we talk about here because I think that's <laughs> it was literally 15 seconds. Yeah. Um, I guess you could just say sucks for Aspinall. Sucks for Blades too, right? Yeah. Travel yeah. all the way to London for that. And he didn't want that either. Obviously visibly mm-hmm. upset about it as well. So... I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Just, I think his post fight said it all. He said, "You know, I came here yeah. wanting to prove that I'm I'm there. I'm ready for their title fight, and I didn't get the chance to prove that." Um, and I mean, I think his reaction to the injury kind of describes how everybody felt. He was just so confused. Like, what what even happened? Like this dude just goes down. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. He, he, we have seen a picture of Aspinall after, and it looks like his leg was just wrapped and not casted God, immediately. Know, so man. maybe it's a dislocation. Yeah, um, which is what you could hope. You don't want an MCL, ACL, or a break of anything. But yeah, I saw a fight doctor video breakdown today, and he was basically saying the only thing that he can see is the knee jiggles. Like he was like, you know, you look, it might have scraped off Blades' knee, but you can't really tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said when the kick lands, you do see the top of the patella. kind of shake jiggle Uh, so you know he said it could be a patella tendon and snapped Um, but he said even for him looking at the video really hard to diagnose what happened Mm -hmm. there I it's it's just a funky funky injury interesting to see I can say I did see uh, blades did say no rematch Um, he's taking it as a win so I mean you can take that for what it is I guess Um, not that I necessarily agree it agree with that but he did say that he wants the winner of gone to Avasa in France. Yeah. Uh, you know, he said he thinks that probably makes the most sense for him moving forward. So maybe, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, this is just, it was such a weird card and I literally kind of jokingly sent a message about, you know, mm-hmm. this, like I, to you guys in yeah. our group chat, like so, this is getting weird. Like, you know, like yeah. I was like, this, this card has gone left. A um, couple good performances we'll get to obviously, but yeah, man, just, just super, super sucks. Cause this fight, like I said, for what it was, the 15 seconds, I saw a couple things, Aspinall really fast. We knew that mm-hmm. blades though was landing. Very, yeah. very early, very fast, using his long reach. Um, landed a couple of nice shots on Aspinall. And Aspinall yeah. keeps his hands low and his chin up. But he's so fast and athletic. Yeah. I think he can get away with For it. For sure. But that was going to be the matchup. Right, You could tell right yeah. away is distance versus speed and, and mm-hmm. movement. So. Well, and I think if you're Blades, too, <clears throat> as much as it might be like weird to say I'm taking the win, he can't wait on him to recover. Right. That heavyweight 
move so oh, quick. Oh yeah, you yeah, only for have, sure. I, and you only have a, especially a heavyweight. You only have a certain gap where you can stay at the top. Let me, but let me give you a little bit of a pushback on that because what if we find out it was just a sprain or you know something that, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to believe that because, like I said, the visible pain. Right. And, and here's the thing: like Tom Aspinall is a tough dude, right? Like right. he's not going to sit and make excuses or anything. So, but if it is something where, say, like next month, two months, you know, he could mm. realistically mm-hmm. fight again. I don't think it's like, not like he, as long as the recovery time's okay, it's not like he needs a full camp, right, to get ready for another Curtis Blades fight. That's the only thing I would kind of say is if it's not something that requires a big turnaround, maybe. Well, and and Blades might get put in a spot where that is the move because as much as he wants the winner of Gone into Avasa, you know, pending what might happen with a John Jones-Stipe interim, the winner of that would probably want the winner of that you know, being at the top right there. So it is an interesting log jam. So who knows? Hopefully Aspinall can make a quick recovery. But if you're Blades, you do got to kind of take advantage of any type of momentum you can get because it is so weird at the top, especially with Francis trying to come back at the end of the year potentially. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like that he didn't push for, I want the title shot now or anything like that because he's lost and gone twice. But I I feel like as a fan, best case scenario would be a a quick turnaround, a little rematch with the two of them. Sure. Um, But I also, I guess I'm not too mad at him taking the winner of gone. Um to Lhasa either because mm-hmm. I like both of those matchups. So, the co-main event boys, Jack Hermanson defeating Chris Curtis via unanimous decision. Uh, you know, maybe some people a little bit um, push or not. Um, what would I say? A little critical. There you go of the performance mm-hmm. from Hermanson. I thought it was a great performance by Jack Hermanson. Just. He was just too much for Chris Curtis. Mixed up some really funky movement and techniques that, to me, just looked like visibly frustrated Chris Curtis, right? Mm -hmm. Had him thinking the whole time, and ultimately, Curtis just had no answer to find his way on the inside where he needed to be. Um, Jack Hermanson, though, great performance. Really didn't need to use the wrestling, you know? Um, You know, we had talked about that probably being something he would go to, but he didn't need it, man. Looked really good. I thought one of the better performances from uh, Jack Hermanson, so Brandon. That's your boy. Let yeah. us know what you what you think. Um, no, I I would agree with ninety percent of that. I don't have any critiques for him other than I mean, I the last twenty seconds when he was kind of doing that little run around. Yeah, the he cage, was he was running away. I can I can see that being like you know come on like, but to yeah. be fair, it, it was pretty much three full rounds of him teeing off yeah. on Curtis. So it's oh, not agreed. like you can yeah. say that was that was the story of the fight. Um, that was the story of the last 20 seconds, but sure. everything before that was, you know, Hermanson uh, tagging Curtis and Curtis just having no answer. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because of how critical we've been of Adesanya in mm-hmm. a lot of the similar ways, right? Sure. Just tagging. And I guess comparing, if, if you were kind of looking at it that way, I, to me, it seemed like he was initiating like a lot of those in a lot of those engagements with with Curtis. Oh, and yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, to me, it was an improvement in his striking where we haven't seen that from Hermanson. So I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And, well, I didn't have this on my bingo card, that's for sure. Yeah. That Hermanson would win by staying on the outside and using kicks. <laughs> yeah. Like, I definitely think he took that performance against Strickland to heart and made a lot of adjustments. Yeah. I mean, that's a good um, point. he made a lot of adjustments with his, like I said, adding kicks, um, mixing it up. You never knew what he was going to do. Yeah. Um, and I think for Curtis, you know, he just really struggled getting in inside to use. Oh, yeah. He didn't have the reach for it. He landed a couple of really good body punches, but outside of that, he was nabl- never able to get that big punch over the top. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think – but, you know, it, what also helps in a situation like that is Curtis was trying so desperately to get into that mm-hmm. reach that he just kept on leaving himself open. And then the ending with him, like, with him flipping him off and them just having that weird – Yeah. Which, I mean, it's frustration. You it know? was. He, he And he said as much. He posted a picture of them together after the fight. Um, 
you know, they had obviously talked and he, Chris Curtis apologized and was like, Hey, you know, I try to paint the picture that I'm this like nice guy, but you guys kind of got to see the real me or like a side of me that does come out. And Mm -hmm. he was very apologetic about it and said like, you know, basically, you know, no, no ill will towards Jack or the performance. You know, he mm-hmm. basically took took it on himself and was like, "I've got to get better." Which right. is that's exactly what you need to do. You know, yeah. and and here's the thing: like, right, Jack Hermanson was the number eight middleweight in the world. H- hasn't had the best run of luck. Sure, Chris Curtis was unranked, and right. I thought what we saw is exactly what we should have seen a in separation. a sense. Right? Yeah, there's a clear separation of the number eight guy facing an unranked guy. And for Chris Curtis, what a good time in his career to take a shot like that now, yeah. because he can take this. Like now, I know kind of where that. 8, 10 spot, like where I need to be and where I need to get better so I can propel myself into that mm-hmm. uh, realm. So good good on him. And, and like Jack Hermanson said, right, like I was preparing for Darren Till. This was short notice for me as well. Darren Till, very different fighter from um, right. uh, Chris Curtis, excuse me. So um, like I said, though, I to me, great performance by Jack Hermanson. And um, yeah. I still, it, by seeing that performance, though, can you imagine how him and Till would have looked? Like to, to utilize know. that, it would have been interesting. Yeah, I just, I just thought the way he mixed, the way Hermanson mixed it up so well. Till's really long too, yeah. and has, and he has a different stance and a different style. Where I, I don't know, it would have been interesting. I thought that looking at Chris Curtis is he. His size is a middleweight. Like he has the maybe the bulkiness or the thickness of a middleweight. But man, if he, yeah, yeah, in a way. But like if he could find a way to get down to one seventy, I think he could really do some big things down there. I just, I just don't know because I mean, is Jack the biggest middleweight in the world? You know what I mean? Yeah, he's pretty big. Yeah, but he is a pretty big guy. But I just think, and and Curtis was broader too. I mean, you could see the he's he is a big guy. He has a big mm-hmm. upper body. But I don't know, man. I just Usman has a big upper body too, and he makes. 170 so i don't know maybe that's something he i could. feel like my biggest issue with curtis was and i've only watched the fight one time but i don't remember him throwing a single leg kick or a single takedown attempt great point. I, it was only that's a great point boxing well and he I might have like, been so worried about hermanson you know you trying to out grapple him kind of like the hadafo fight where it's yeah. like all right well let me make sure i stuff all these and i'll get off but i don't think he expected hermanson to come out like that's that. where to me it's like you know when you if you go to a round and a half, and your game plan's not working. Okay, you got to try something yeah, different. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I just that's where I was like, kind of trying to. I, I guess being a little nitpicky with Curtis. That's just something I know. Yeah, exactly. add more variety. Yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. it's a that's a fair assessment. I didn't even think about that. Boys, let's start heating it up a little bit here. The real main event. <laughs> it kind of was, though. <laughs> no. Patty Pimblett defeating Jordan Levitt via submission, rear naked choke in round two. Patty definitely had to overcome a tough first round there. Uh, beautiful finishing sequence, though, nonetheless. Locks up a funky kind of head and arm choke there from uh, the standing position. Um, then lands a big knee from it uh, that just dropped Levitt. And then Patty transitions to the back, traps the arm um, on his way to the back, which, I mean, if you've taken a jiu-jitsu class or you have any jiu-jitsu, that's, that's how you train it, right? That's like it. That, That's what you want. Any instructor will tell you, try to trap that arm. That It doesn't happen. It's tough to do right. in the heat of a roll. And, that's your patty. And, I mean, that, I'm just he saying. He did say that's is, what he does. It is high-level jiu-jitsu, yeah. you know, and, and I, it's not easy to do without gloves on. I couldn't imagine it being, you know, but to have that um, knowledge to do that and recognize that, you know, positional awareness type stuff. Um, but nonetheless, gets to the back, you know, Levitt fighting one-armed at that point. It was pretty much just a matter of time. Locks it up. Finishes him. Uh, I want to start with Brandon again. Because uh, I know, you know, you've been a little critical of the pads. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with you and your thoughts on the performance. Okay, so my thoughts on the performance. Um, 
it was a great finishing sequence, like you said. I, it was a really funky wrap up um, with that arm, head and arm, and then taking the back. That was all beautiful. But I can't get that first round on my head. And mm-hmm. this is what this is his story so far in the UFC. He he has some adversity, and then mm-hmm. he pulls it out by the second. Is this his first time going in the second round? Yes. Okay. In so the, he, in the UFC. So this was arguably his toughest fight in the UFC. Sure. Right? Um, and it should have been right. The the yeah. competition did get better. For yeah. Sure. Um. But that's another piece to this is like it's Jordan Levitt, and then sure. I, I just it's so hard for me looking at this division. But back to the performance. You know, that whole first round was pretty much Jordan Levitt. Like, yeah. the last 25, 30 seconds, I think, Patty ended up on top and had a good, I don't remember what submission he went for, um, if anything, off side control. I remember he had a few guillotine attempts. Yeah, He had four submission attempts total. Yeah, I think a lot of those were guillotines. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I d- if Jordan Levitt, th- it was just very surprising to me, to be honest, um, that Jordan Levitt was able to control Patty the way he did, mm-hmm. the majority of that first round. Um, and then the second round, again, Patty does what, he, what he's been doing. So... I stand by my position. <laughs> when this dude gets to the top fifteen, it's going to be a, a rough night. I just, I just well, can't get that out of my mind. Especially this performance. You know, again, great finishing sequence. I'm not trying to take away what he's doing. It was, he was a win <clears> over <throat> a, a top guy, but a not top fifteen, not a top fifteen guy. <laughs> so, so let me, so let me ask this, and, and and we'll start with John when I ask this. But so, if you guys had to say today. Based off of what you've seen, do you think Patty Pimblett becomes a title contender in the lightweight division? And here's why I ask. Conor McGregor beat Diego Brandao in his third UFC fight. And I had an inkling then, this guy's special. Like, I mean, that was a main event. His third mm-hmm. UFC fight was a main event, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew he at least had a championship ceiling. You could just see the difference between him and Brandao. Not saying Brandao was a world beater, right? But you could see this the discrepancy mm-hmm. there. Like, this guy's different a little bit, you know? Um and then there's a reason that in his fourth fight, he fought Dustin Poirier, right? right? That was his fourth fight in the UFC. And and not that Dustin was obviously the greatest featherweight, but going into that fight, he was on a three-fight win streak, going, and he was 8-2 and two in the mm-hmm. UFC. And, you know, rankings weren't really a thing back then. Um, but safe to say, Duff, Dustin Poirier was definitely a top 15 featherweight in the world at right. that time. And after three fights, it was just evident that a guy like Connor, who, like Patty, also had a ton of hype, a lot of promotion behind him. Uh, the UFC was... It, they were just ready to test him and he mm-hmm. was ready for a test like that. And I'm just curious if you guys think that we've seen enough to think the same for Patty, that he's ready for a test like that. It's tough. Uh, I, I will say if he could make some adjustments, cause I think the difference between like a Patty and a Connor is Connor had his a game ready at all times when he did this run. Yeah. But we've seen Patty's. I mean, he's obviously had like the, he has power, but his a game is his jujitsu, sure. but he's not getting to that immediately. And he's right. kind of, str- he's getting to it eventually. But when you go on these type of runs, you got to be able to get to that a lot quicker, in my opinion, and maybe not do so much of the brawling hands down, jumpy around stuff and maybe get right to it. Cause he does have the finishing ability on all spectrums. He's finished people with his striking and his submissions. We've seen, he has a really good level of that. So I do think there is some potentials, but he needs to get a little bit better of a strategic side, in my opinion. So first of all, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't, don't think, think he, I don't think he does. Because um, here's my thing with Connor, and this is, is somebody who, who's not a Connor fan. Sure. Okay? But when Connor was going through on that run at Featherweight, he looked untouchable. Right. Okay, he literally, I would I would say he looked untouchable. Um, Patty doesn't look untouchable. Sure. <laughs> like he's looked like people can get a hold of him, people can rock him. Yeah. Um, and... So for me, I just I think the hype is there. I think he's got that same star power McGregor does. But as far as his ability to win the way Connor was winning and fast track himself to a title shot, 
I mean, maybe they fast track him, but I don't think it's going to go the way it went for Connor. I don't think if you look at Char, is he going to tap out Charlie Olives? Sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, with Aldo and McGregor, that was a good fight. McGregor, you know, his right. ability to knock somebody out. I don't think you can compare McGregor's ability to sleep somebody to Patty's ability to, let's say, submit. Sure. Because you definitely can't say they're similar striking. Right. Because Patty's arguably 50 50 when he gets into a brawl with somebody. Yeah. Um, but his submissions are good, but. I don't think they're the same level as McGregor's right hand. Does that make sense? Yeah, know? I mean, we've seen Patty drop. Like, we've seen him rocked, mm-hmm. hurt. And for the record, I know Patty is not asking and did not ask for the <laughs> Connor comparisons. All but right. as a fan, you can't ignore it. And it's hard not to see it when, when the promotion's building them similar, similarly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, I told you guys, like, last night in our group chat, he's in his third fight and he's already getting the blackout treatment before his walkout. Mm. Connor got it in his second fight. Yeah. Right. So it's like, they're doing very similar things. So as a fan, you're, you're European guy, former cage warrior champions. Like there's just so many influences mm. where it's like, it's hard not to kind of compare the two, but that's kind of, I feel like how we're kind of trying to be fed a little bit, right. but it is hard. Like I literally sat down yesterday after this fight, when I was thinking about asking this question and looked at the top 15 and it is so hard to see right now, Based off of what we've seen, any favorable mm-hmm. matchups for him in the top 15. I mean, I thought maybe Dan Hooker, he could maybe have a good run at a guy like a Dan Hooker. Um, and it is important to remember that was just his third UFC fight. And mm-hmm. I think the key is, though, I think they just need to take it slow with him, kind of like they did with O'Malley. Right. Um, because I do think he's good for the sport. I do think that he can definitely be a star if he's continued, if he's yeah. built right and he's allowed the time to really develop and get better within the UFC or at this next level. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just, it is really, I mean. So I, what do you, what's your answer to that question? I, if I had to say today based off of what we've seen, the answer would be no. Okay. Just because I think looking at that, I mean, I challenge everybody, go to UFC's website, look at the top 15, and just tell us right. where you think he could fit into that. Because mm-hmm. I, it's just really tough, man. I mean, I mean, even like Connor is still in the top 15, right? Like, I don't even know how he would match up against a Connor right now. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, we just, maybe we haven't seen enough, but at the same time, we've kind of seen enough to know like where he is, at least right now today. Like I said, I'm not saying two fights from now, my opinion wouldn't change, but, mm-hmm. and I, and I know it's crazy to think in somebody's third UFC fight to ask if you see championship aspirations, but like I said, it's kind of what we're being built, yeah. built to, right? I mean, it's just how he's being promoted. We can't mm-hmm. help but to, to think like that. Well, so. what's tough too is it, you saying Oliveira, if you, t- if you showed people both of their last like couple fights and didn't tell them the people, the implications or the level of fighter, sure. I mean, they're the exact same fights are they, getting hurt. You know, they're looking bad in the first it's and coming point. around and turning it around. Granted, it's a different level. I was going to say that. But right. here's the thing. How many people, uh, you know, if we haven't seen anybody put in the UFC, you know, be able to finish out Patty, and Patty still is finishing sure. people. So it's tough to see, but I do. Cause I, I, I said yes on the fact that he is a finisher. Mm-hmm. He's not, like, getting these, you know, he's not grinding people out and getting decisions. He's finishing people that he's fighting so far. So until yeah. he get, doesn't do that or somebody stops him, you got to kind of give him at least a 50-50 chance of showing full because his full potential is a finisher. Sure. So. And, I mean, that O2 arena blew up. As soon yeah. as he won, it well, was... Well, that, that's the thing, right? You show somebody a Oliveira and a Patty didn't explain any... You'd probably think they're on the same level with, how, you know, the, the reception that he gets, right? So, right. but yeah, I mean, that's fair. And that is all fair stuff. I mean, he is a finisher and he has overcome some tough adversity, which is important, right, as he mm-hmm. moves up. Um, but it is tough to look at, you know, he did struggle with Levitt with right. the grappling a bit there. I mean, obviously, that's how he won it, right? So it's hard to say that. But the offensive wrestling, at least. And then, like I said, I mean, number 15 is 
Demir Ismagulov. Right. I mean, come on, man. Like, I mean, it's just, it's so tough to just imagine. Even the guy he beat. Um, yeah. What's his name? Kazula Vargas? Yeah. yeah. Somebody like that would be really tough. But I just think you should keep giving him those chances because yeah. he is a finisher, like I said. Yeah. You had said Jim Miller as a potential yeah. next opponent. I think something like that's a good idea. You know, give him a veteran, somebody he can continue to kind of build his name on. But even with where he's at right now, he should be beating a guy like Jim Miller. Right. But, yeah. but Jim Miller is a tough O'Malley guy. That's what did too, right? You right. gave him people I, that he has to beat. Absolutely. And he did but, it. but they still have kind of a name. Yeah. That's why I said, I think if they kind of take this O'Malley approach where it's like slow build, slow build, and then it's like, oh, here's this really good matchup for him at the top. Let's just throw him in there. You know, that's kind of going to be the key. So, I think giving him a name is definitely, they need to head in that direction, yeah. giving mm-hmm. him somebody that people are going to know. Right. So. I think so too. Next fight, boys. Nikita Kroilov defeating Alexander Gustafsson. Lose. <laughs> What a performance. Most impressive of the night, yeah, in my opinion. Only one minute and seven seconds in round one. Uh, bad thing for a podcast is didn't give us much to talk about in there because <laughs> it was fast. It was violent. Um, just absolutely blew Kroilov did through Gustafsson here. Uh, wasn't even competitive. Mm-mm. And, um, you know, unfortunately for Gus, um, I just think that's where he is in his career now. Yeah. You know, and that's what makes this tough almost for Kroilov is it was like, is it that Kroilov is just because I do think Kroilov's fantastic, mm-hmm. but it's like, is it also just like Gus might be two or three fights past his expiration date as well? Yeah, I feel like Gus hasn't looked the same since the Jones loss. You're dude, that's a hundred percent right. You know, to be one in five now. Yeah, um, and it, recently, and you know, he couldn't even at one point he was able to kind of pause it enough just to try to reset, and then he immediately was getting blitzed again, and yeah. it. it it looked like somebody who didn't have no business being in there. It didn't look good at heavyweight against Fabricio. Yeah. This didn't look good. I just think that, you know, a legend of a fighter had a really great run. Yeah. Some of the best title fights we've ever seen. We talk about, like, the DC fight mm-hmm. um, and the Jones fight. Yeah. But I just think that at this point, you're going to be a gatekeeper if you stay around. Well, I don't want to see that. It. Yeah. Did you guys see DC's comments yeah. on it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, for him to come out and say yeah. what he said as an analyst and, sure. uh, you know, to work for the UFC, I feel like, man, yeah, that's really rough. And I agree with everything you said. I just think it's, yeah. it's time. He hasn't looked great since the Jones loss, the second one. Yeah. Um, and he's tried his hand at heavyweight. He's come back to 05. I mean, what else are you going to do, yeah. man? Like, that's. And when fighters start doing that, I feel like you're just kind of grabbing straws. Like, we're kind of seeing Hart, Dan Hart, uh, Dan Hooker, excuse me, yeah. in that position mm-hmm. now where it's like, when you and Ramisha Tate, it's like, man, when you start experimenting and then it doesn't work when you go up and it doesn't work when you go down and you're not looking, your performances aren't looking great, you're getting finished really fast. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, we're not fighters, right? Yeah. We're just fans. But as a fan, and I do, I mean, I mean, as a John Jones fan, even you can't help but respect Augustusson, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is not what you want to see from yeah. from Gus. And like I said, Koilov is is phenomenal, and he's a great fighter. But it's like part of me also sitting here today can't help but wonder if it's just like that yeah. bad. Well, I mean, where, like, that's how far Gus has fallen. Yeah, I mean, how does it, you look at somebody like Krolov who's had some good fights but isn't hasn't quite beat this, the people to move all the way up? Yeah. But if you look at the people all the way up, like how does he look? If you if you look like that against him, how do you look against Magomed or yeah. you know Jamal Hill or you know some of these other guys? Sure. Um, but for Krolov, I mean, you don't get more impressive than that. Yeah, he and he said that's what he wanted, man. And he went out there and did it. And, you know, coming off the loss to um, Paul Craig, right? That's who he mm-hmm. lost to in his last one. So um, he looked great, man. I'm, I'm excited. He's he's a guy I really thought 
like was going to be right up there with like Jiri and mm-hmm. uh, Magomed, Ankalaev, and he, you know, obviously the loss derailed it, but I think he gets right back on it here, and I'm definitely excited to see his next one. Um, boys, let's hit it again. Yeah. The meatball, <laughs> Molly McCann defeating Hannah Goldie via TKO, spinning back elbow, follow, uh, follows it up with some punches in round one. Go watch that finishing sequence again because I watched it again and Molly Meatball had just had enough. I mean, um, she literally like there was like this little weird sequence where Hannah went for like a single leg and Molly kind of sat her down and then Goldie went for like a heel hook, like a leg lock and Molly just like kicks out of it. They reset. Hannah stands up and Molly just walks literally straight at her hands down and just overhand rights her into the fence and then follows it up with that spinning back elbow um, and that spinning back elbow is almost becoming like a little patented move for mm-hmm. her, right? Like that's the second fight in a row that we've seen that. Uh, but nonetheless, man, the meatball extends, uh, her UFC win streak to three straight. Your guys' thoughts on the meatball. Cause I was critical. I will say mm-hmm. I was kind of in her last one. I think the last fight I was like, I just don't really know the ceiling for, her. you know, she's a little bit undersized for that 25 pound division, but man, she does carry some power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I would still, I would still have the same position in terms of I don't know what the ceiling is for her. She definitely is showcasing that she has power. Um, but looking at who she beat, I mean, what uh, Holly was what one and three not, or one and Hannah, two at the time. Mean, Sorry, Hannah. Yeah, yeah, she's one and three now. Yeah, one and two, one, one and, two and three. It, yeah, yeah, so it's like ah, you know, it's kind of that same yeah. question for uh, Korlov, right? Like, how much of this is him versus where Gus is at? So how much of this is Meatball mm-hmm. versus where her opponent was at? Sure. Like, I don't really know the answer to that, but I can tell you she hits hard. So yeah, yeah. we'll see how far that can carry and t- her. And, and to be able to time a spinning back elbow, like it doesn't matter who you're fighting, man. To have that 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 sense of that timing is is that's impressive. Mm-hmm. I also genuinely believe that her on the same card as Patty, like she like gets Chico. like an extra life life force when so she. So true. Yeah. And, and so here, and real quick, because you're bringing a good point. Because if you look, I didn't know this. That's like her like eighth fight in the UFC, mm-hmm. but she wasn't performing that well. Mm-hmm. This is three in a row with her, three cards back to back with Patty. Yep. And so it is, you have to draw that comparison of like, there is just something special about being with him that brings that extra energy. Cheat code, man. Yep. Yeah, but it is it is weird because I didn't know she's been in the UFC as long as she has. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, yeah, I just thought that was important. Yeah, to and I think just like Patty, if you're not sure where he is based on who they're fighting, if you're finishing them, then that proves that you're at least still doing your job as far sure. as building up. Right. So, you know, to, to, once again, she's looked like a finisher her past couple of fights. Yeah. She keeps that up. Obviously, they're going to have to give her a name. Yeah. Um, but I thought, you know, forward pressure, use the power, probably the best fighter I've ever seen after a fight. One point they pan over, she's wearing the wig and just drinking like a whole thing that's of what, whiskey. That's what J- Jacob sent me a text uh, after the, when Patty was doing his post fight. He was like, Molly McCann just in the cage with a fit. Like a boss. Or she's got like all that power and she's a dog. Uh, yeah. She's going to go forward. Uh, yeah. She's going to push you. Um, I think she's she's a, a tough matchup for anybody moving up as far as, sure. as at her level, but it would be interesting to see if she can keep this up, yeah. riding off the momentum that her and Patty have kind of and built with it, each it other. It would be, in, and I think she's put herself in a position now where she's going to have to fight a top 15 opponent next probably. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have to give her somebody fairly well-known. Especially with in that pretty division. Decent Once you yeah. get three or four in a row, you got to start getting a number. Yep, and I don't... 
I don't want to stop the Patty Molly train like them together on the same card. But it, but it is a fair yeah exactly that's what I was about to say. But it is a fair assessment. Like I would love because you have you do look at her career a little up and down. Um, it would be interesting to see her in like Las Vegas where Patty's not on the card. Mm-hmm. You know, like how does she look then? You know, same thing for me. I was thinking about this. Two two of the three fights that Patty's had have been in London. Yeah, where he's got a massive sure. crowd behind him. So mm-hmm. let's like I'm just thinking in my head like. You know, putting him in, uh, you know, I don't know, Vegas or somewhere. Well, get him in a Chandler, and yeah. Chandler's got a massive crowd. And well, Patty may have. Well, one I think too. Patty's fans will travel because yeah. Connor's yeah. fans. Do. Yeah, for sure. And I don't, I don't think the UFC has plans to break up the Patty Molly train. Honestly, anytime soon, it's working. I mean, it's, why would they? It, yeah, yeah, it doesn't out. make sense. And yeah. like, I think Ariel Hawani had tweeted like the next logical step is both of them in Madison Square Garden in November. <laughs> So and that, yeah, there's a, a there's one. a card on the books for that and yeah I mean that that makes a ton of sense and yeah I mean there's like you said if it's working they're not gonna split it up eventually mm-hmm. it's gonna happen whether one of yeah. them picks up an injury and the, the schedules fall unless they off, both get the belt and they just keep <laughs> I don't know man yeah, that'd maybe, be the craziest story maybe, in MMA ever that would be pretty I mean and it's and it's awesome right to see I mean it's fun to watch and real quick let me double back to the Patty fight because really, really want to uh, give him some respect and credit for that post-fight speech, man. That Mm -hmm. was awesome. Um, Regardless of anything else, man, to hear him say those things and to speak out on the things that he did with mental health and stuff, uh, just just pure class there and mm-hmm. uh, lo- love to see, you know, it's fun to see guys use and, and girls use their mic time to call people out and be funny, but to use them, uh, see somebody take a stand like that on, on something very serious is also really cool too. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, to be able to temper your emotions in that, uh, that moment when, mm-hmm. you know, your people are going nuts, you just finished. And then to just be like, no, like this isn't about me. There's something bigger. Like right. that tells you exactly the type of guy that Patty Pimblet is. And I just all the respect in the world for that. Um, Dan to fight after the after getting that the day before your oh, fight. man. Yeah. And then, well, and then after the interview, man, he just, like, broke down in the cake. You know, it's mm-hmm. like everything just poured out at that moment. So, uh, but, yeah, man, just just awesome. Just wanted to make sure I mentioned that because right. I, I had it in there and skipped it. Last fight, boys. Vulcan Ozdemir defeating Paul Craig via unanimous decision. 30-27 on all three judges' scorecards. Bit of a weird one here again. Uh, Paul Craig really made it a weird, weird <laughs> one here. Um, Craig wanted nothing to do, obviously, with the striking of Ozdemir, which is weird because I did feel like when he was kind of letting moments. it go, he had some nice <laughs> moments in there with the striking. Um, but for the duration of the fight, man, he just continued to shoot that double leg. And instead of looking to finish the takedown, man, he just sat to guard and allowed Vulcan to rack up almost six minutes of top control time. Yeah. And, um, I, I, you know, I told you guys yesterday, it's like, I would just love to see him, like, hopefully this performance just shows him to, like, let's start trying to finish those double legs. Yeah, you're getting to the hips. You're getting everything you want. Yeah, man, and it's like I told you guys yesterday, like I said in the chat, is like, we've just never seen guard pullers really make it to the top of MMA, right? And, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that, I'm guessing. Right. It's it's a tough thing to do. I mean, you're literally pulling these guys on top of you that can then punch you in the face. <laughs> and If they want to go down there with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very fair point. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Ryan Hall in <laughs> Minari roll 17 times and you know, mm-hmm. and it looks bad. It just, yeah. I think just the optics of it too, it just looks really bad. And, and when it works, it works. Right. You know, I don't want to be critical. Go ahead. It, so I was thinking like the first round, especially, I was thinking like, okay, a majority of this round, if we, if we just... Don't think about the stand-up for a second. It's been mostly Paul Craig pulling guard and Uzdemir um, Uz trying to get out, of, like sure. trying to avoid going to the ground. What are the judges thinking? Like, what are they th- thinking when yeah. they see that, right? Because, like, striking, it's 
it's a lot easier to kind of gauge what's happening. Yeah. But when they see, you know, Paul Craig falling to his butt, trying to, like, get a hold of Uzmir's leg, and Uzmir just kind of hopping around trying to get out. Like, again, like, what are they doing? I don't right. know how they're scoring any of that. And my critique with Craig, the same with Curtis, is, like, you know, when you try something long enough and it's just not working, maybe it's time to switch up sure. what your game plan mm-hmm. is. Because, like you said, he looked good on the feet when he had his moments. Um but, yeah, I mean, he just kept going to the well with that guard pull, and it was really frustrating because it's like, dude, it's going against you. At one yeah. point, he pulled Ousnemir into top mount, mount, literally into top mount. Yeah. And it's like, that doesn't look good, and so you're not getting mm-hmm. what you want off of it, so start throwing your hands or something, man. Yeah, yeah. Like John said, he was getting to the hips, like, just yeah. try yeah. to finish this double. Yeah. <laughs> at, some point, at one point, he's dropping to his knees, has the legs wrapped, and literally just sits back yeah. instead of pushes forward. Like I, and I, And, you know, I said it in the chat, like, it looks really bad. It's kind of like a, you know, we've seen Damian Maya struggle with his wrestling, Ryan Hall. And if you're not using it, you just kind of pull people. And it, and I said in the group too is at some point he was getting hit and then just kind of falling to guard to see if he would follow him. Mm-hmm. But the optic of that looks like you're getting knocked not down. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I seen him trying to kind of like leave his head open to try to get like the, because I seen it in the last fight, you know, over-traveled ground and pound shot. You le- reach out, your yeah. arm's available. So he was trying to set that type of stuff up. But after the first round, Vulcan really didn't fall for that yeah um and at, at one point vulcan shot a takedown he was so tired of yeah. getting pulled into guard um we kept trying to go for like that shoulder sweep and like it was same thing it's like man we just there's a reason i think we don't see these moves that are yeah. predominantly jujitsu sweeps used very often in mma because it's just not an easy yeah. technique and to I do mean, even when we train What's Jacob always say? It's a lot easier being on top. Right. So, you know, working so much. I mean, like, he's so good at jujitsu. You have to know his top game is good as well. Would use love to it. see it. Yeah. You know, use get to a Kimura instead of trying to get that shotgun armbar or whatever, which he almost had. Mm-hmm. It looked like it was kind of close. But, like, at some point, you got to switch to, okay, well, let me go to a different game because, you know, there's not very many people who went off their back consistently either. Yeah. Eventually people just either have enough defense or they just won't engage you. And then what you look like Fabricio begging mm-hmm. people to come back into your guard. And there's a lot of those times that Volkomir's just stood up that you could tell that Paul did not want to get up and get back into the striking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> That's it, boys. That was the card UFC fight night, London. We're not even going to mention <laughs> I do think that Ozdemir and Krolov could be a really good yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah. Krolov caught out Ozdemir in his post-fight. Yeah, why not? I mean, that, that makes a ton of sense, especially now, right? Because yeah. Krolov just lost to, to Craig, and Ozdemir just beat him, and Krolov looked good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I say that's a good one. Brandon, before we get to UFC 277, update us with our score. Yeah, so... Uh, Actually, don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I get it. It's hard to accept where you're at sometimes. It is. It is. Um, so I was the only one with points because I mm-hmm. went with my heart, right? And Lonely heart. Funny boy. how that heart boys out. win sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I only came in with well, I came in with three because I had a decision by uh, for Hermanson. So I have fifty six. Um, Nate, you have fifty, and John, you're sitting at forty five. Yeah. I think uh, John's got a Lonely Heart Boys pick coming up in our co-main <laughs> event for UFC yeah. two seventy seven. Boys, this Saturday, July thirtieth, from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. And before we get to our picks, a little fun fact about Dallas, Texas. Mm. The first, first convenience store chain started in Dallas, Texas, boys, in the year of 1927. That chain has now amassed over 78,000 stores in 19 different countries. Any guess of what this original convenience store's name is? The first ever, Mm. 1927. Walmart. Walgreens. 
Well, neither of those are really convenient. I guess I'll give you Walgreens. Walmart's a grocery store. It's more of a super center. Not a, <laughs> I didn't probably not, didn't start out that way. Not a convenience store. Uh, no, 7-Eleven. Mm. Started in mm. Dallas, Texas in 1927. Nice. You guys big 7-Eleven guys. Walgreens probably more we don't of a really city. Have a lot we don't. I do think that Speedway's bought them, though, because I see a lot of their like, yes, food they and, have. I and saw drinks. that when I was looking at that. Um, the I think the closest one we might have is in Michigan. I think mm. somebody's actually told There was me a lot that. of them in Florida. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But around, around here, I think the closest one to us is I work with a guy that loved their – he grew up in um, the Detroit area and mm. loved the Slurpees and, like, would just randomly go up there just to find a 7-Eleven. Take a trip for yeah. a cold drink, baby. Our main event, Brandon, tee us up for this women's rematch. All right, so we have a rematch for the women's bantamweight division between Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunez. Nunez is 4 and 1 in her last 5 and Pena is 3 and 2 in her last 5. Um Pena was the first woman to beat Nunez and finish her since her TKO loss to Katzenganu back in 2014. Um the last fight consisted of a first round that was Pretty much what most of us expected with Nunez showcasing some dominant grappling, dropped her twice with leg kicks, and um, just really stole the round pretty decisively. And then there was round two. And in round two, it was a wild back-and-forth exchange between Pena and Nunez, with Pena landing arguably more of the, of the shots and really stunning Amanda on the feet. Um, at a certain point in the round, about the last last minute and a half, Pena gets a hold of Nunez and takes her down, gets her back, um, no hooks, and is able to sink in a rear naked choke. This stopped a massive win streak for Amanda Nunez, who was riding, I think, 12 or 13 total, nine title fight wins at the time, um, and really just kind of shocked the world for everybody. So this yeah. is a rematch of those two, um, mm -hmm. and we're going to see whether or not it was a fluke or if Pena's the real deal. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, I obviously, I mean, if you go back, we were almost laughing at our picks for that first <laughs> fight, right? Like, well, Amanda, all right, next on to the next one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, she deserved that. I mean, she had yeah. crossed into that. Oh, right for there, sure. So. But it just, you know, MMA. Yeah. It only takes one performance to really change things. I had a couple notes too. Um, Pena was the second person to ever submit Nunez because the first person was way back in 2008 when Amanda Nunez made her debut. And also, this was the first time that Nunes had defended the bantamweight title in two years up to that mm. point. Oh, wow. Everything before was featherweight. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting matchup. I mean, I, I wouldn't have called Amanda getting outstruck in that fight. Um, and then, obviously, the way things ended just seemed like Amanda just c completely lost steam, wasn't ready to get in a dog fight and have somebody punch back at her. At one point, I remember uh, Nunez just – or not Nunez, but Juliana hitting just like four or five jabs in a row, mm -hmm. and Amanda was trying to come over, but none of them were landing in a counter. Um, you know, I, it's Amanda's still the favorite despite that performance by like 300, I think. Um I don't want to call it a fluke, but Amanda's obviously has a really long sheet of looking really great. And Pena has looked really good this last one, but it kind of she kind of felt like an afterthought until this fight. So I'm I'm in a weird spot on this one. So what's your pick? My pick is going to be Amanda Nunes by decision. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> alrighty. So I think it's important to remember something about that first fight, and that was Amanda came into that fight off of COVID. And we've seen fighters come in and struggle with coming back, especially with cardio. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think she was dealing with a lot of distractions with her camp. We now know that she's left ATT, which, mm -hmm. um, you know, she's opened her own private facility uh, and she's got a, 
training camp basically built just around her. Right. Um, which, you know, honestly, a, a fighter like Amanda probably does, probably was a little too, she should have done that for a, a while, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think stuff was just going on in her life. Not that that's an excuse by any means, but especially the COVID, we've seen fighters come back and struggle. Right. Having said that, I think if you go back and you watch the first round of that last fight, um, that's more of a representation of the difference in levels between these two. Amanda dominated every aspect of that first round. She was laughing at Pena. Mm -hmm. Literally was like in top side control, just laughing, or uh, half guard laughing at her. Because she was just running through her. I think she had the sense that it was easy. Um, she outstruck her. She was looking better on the ground. Even set Pena down a couple times with some good straight shots. Um, like kicks. Leg kicks, yeah. Mm -hmm. One was a leg kick. One was like a right, a straight right, I think. Um, then I think the second round came. Like Brandon said, the second round happened, and Pena turned it into a dogfight, and credit to her. Um, but Amanda allowed herself to kind of fall into that trap. Um, so instead of sticking with the technical side of her game like we've seen and come to know, she started chasing the fight. She started chasing Pena. I think she started to feel like she was down, and she just started throwing big, wild, looping shots to try to keep up. It's like every time Pena was just sticking a jab out, like right. you said, and Amanda just felt like she needed to react to every single thing. Um and then she just inevitably faded fast, very mm -hmm. fast. But to how fast she faded, we've how many times have we seen Amanda, you know, go five rounds and she looks great. Right. Like that's not normal. Right. Um, she, I mean, her gas tank just depleted and it's hard not to think knowing she came off of COVID, like I said, that that's not a reason why. Um, and, and I say none of this to discredit Pena or what she did or her win, or put an asterisk by her wins. No, she right. was the better fighter. She deserved that win 100%. But I still think Amanda is the better fighter. I think she proves that this Saturday, give me Amanda Nunes by second round TKO. She's wow. running it back. Same round and everything. Yeah. I, okay, so the first round was actually, I thought, very important, too, because of the... So, Pena arguably started winning that fight on the feet, right? Mm -hmm. Which made zero sense, because of the first round, Amanda looked sharper. She looked like she hit harder. She looked like she was the more technical striker. Yeah. Um, all of Pena's shots were wild, looping, kind of over-the-top, weird palm strikes, and um, Nunes was just straight down the pipe. I mean, awesome leg kicks, and then again, that second round comes, and... Pena lands a few good shots, man, and it was just like something happened, and Nunez just, like you said, she just kept reacting to everything, mm -hmm. and I, mm -hmm. I'm i still not convinced that that choke was in completely. I watched um, it again real quick today. I agree. It looked like it was just kind of across the, the jaw. And I've listened to a lot of what Nunez has said um, since that fight, and I do believe her in that a lot. Of, there was just a lot of pressure. Um, she had a lot of stuff going on, and I, I just don't think she really wanted to be there She was exhausted, and she was exhausted. Um, yeah, so I... I still agree. I think Nunez is the better fighter. Um, I think she has every tool to beat Pena. I think for me, the biggest thing here is the mental side. Is mm -hmm. she going to be there mentally? Um, or is she going to let this last fight stick in her mind? Because clearly, as we've seen, the mental side of things can really get to she her. She can get drawn um, into And it's, it. to be fair, you know, she's she had the title for six years. Yeah. Two of them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not like this was just a short window of time, right? So yeah. anyway... All that to say, I'll take Nunes. Um, so you said second round mm -hmm. t uh, TKO. You said decision, right? I'm mm -hmm. gonna go with third round submission. Oh, you see, mm -hmm. I'm going round. You're going the the, the submission. Yeah. <laughs> was that the first fight? Her daughter was there too for Amanda. Uh, I don't know. I think so. I thought no, it no, she's been all. I thought in the embedded that was kind of like. I think the, so. He's real little. 
I think Man, it was. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that really played into it. Well, at I'm all. just saying when you talk about pressure, because nah, Pena's and daughter stuff. was there too. I, I just I she's really, there at all the all the embedded stuff, all the all the training sure. sessions. Mm-hmm. I, I just genuinely think, man, I think it was a lot, and, and I mean, she visibly just faded. I mean, we, mm-hmm. like I said, we've never ever seen that from Amanda. That was just it was just almost weird how fast it was just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that was my thought in it, I guess. Right. But moving to the co-main event, John. Alrighty, fellas. We got a we got a really good one here for the co-main. We have Kai Kara France and Brandon Moreno too. Um, these guys have fought previously. Obviously, um, I don't think they still even came out and said what's up with Davison Figueroa. No, I don't know if it's an injury, a contract thing. What's like, weird is on the ESPN they're actually showing Mar- it's an interim title fight, but they're actually right. showing Moreno with, with the, the title. Yeah. So they're showing Nunes with the title too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's they just weird. haven't updated yeah. it then. Bad graphics team. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so um, looking at their first fight, um, which is kind of crazy, it was an early prelim fight on mm-hmm. the Usman Colby one card. They were the third fight from the bottom. At the time, um, mm. Kai Kara was ranked number six, and I think Moreno was five or four. Um, but Kai Kara was actually the favorite in that fight. So uh, the fight goes, and um, Brandon Moreno wins 30-27 on two judges, 29-28 on another. I didn't see the 30-27 go back and watching it. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, I gave Kai the first round, Moreno the second, and I thought the third was close. Uh, Moreno started doing some really weird, like, yelling and flexing in the third round, like, trying to get hype, but he wasn't throwing as much. Um, I thought that Moreno did a really good job of leading Kai into his head kick. If you watch it, he kept on throwing that right hand to push him over into that left head kick, and he didn't land very many of them, but Kai ate him on his right hand. And by the third round, he wasn't really able to throw it as hard because he was just eating those kicks. Um, Kai did a really good job of doing his own leg kicks, and um, his right hand was landing early. I thought that, um, you know, neither one of them even tried to take down, which obviously Moreno, that's a bigger part of his game now compared to back then. Um, and it was a, just a really big dog fight. So looking at their last fights for both of them, Kai did a really good job, but obviously defending the Asker, Askarov takedowns 12 out of 14. He fought through some really tough sub attempts from Askar, and he was a lot more poised and used his leg kicks really, really well. And then obviously Brandon, his last fight being the trilogy fight with Davison, which was really close. That saw Moreno getting knocked down three times and eating almost 30 leg kicks and using his scrambling really well. So as I look at this, Kai's never been in a five-round fight, so that's a big thing. Um, And he uses high output as well. Um, So you have to watch his cardio in this. I think he needs to stick to his leg kicks and stay poised in the scrambles and avoid that same high kick trap that Moreno was setting. And for Moreno, I think he needs to apply pressure, mix in some takedowns to wait to wear Kai down in those later rounds and avoid that right hand from Kai Kara. So go ahead and roll it into your Lonely Heart Boys pick of the fight. <laughs> and listen, it's not that shocking. This guy's beat good roll people. In, the past two. Roll, roll it in, John. Just roll it. Car a third round TKO. <laughs> Just get it over and with. And not to not, and let's take it to another step. That was my bold prediction at the beginning of the year. Even in the like the the d- descriptions of their past fight, I'm like, yeah. he's trying. It's like he's trying to convince us that he could have won that. <laughs> yeah. fight. John, you're never doing a breakdown again where it's a Lonely Heart Boys pick. <laughs> hey, you gave it to me, dog. <laughs> I know because I thought it would get you excited to. No. You know, I am. Assess, assess the fight. Instead, you just told us everything Kai did and how he should have won. I mean, I love it, John. Don't change. Just I th- please, I he won the first fight. Please, I know, I know. I know. Clearly, you just wanted to clearly. say that, but I'm just saying, like, if all this is opinionated, that's my opinion. <laughs> you just wanted to say it the whole time. I love it. I, High I car, third round TKO. Just right nev- down. Never, right. never change. That's never. all I'm asking. Uh, yeah, here's the thing. I don't think you can take much from that first fight. Uh, because both guys have improved so yeah. much, honestly. I went back and watched it, and it's like Brandon Moreno is almost not even the same fighter. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, 
And Kai's not either. Um, but the one thing I think you can take away is Moreno, to me, was the better fighter that night. And I just don't think I've seen enough from Kai, who, though, is much improved and looked great. I don't think where he's really done enough to pass Moreno. You know, I think they've both kind of moved at the same uh, uptick and skill mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I just think Moreno is just, I mean, it's, un, I mean, look, the guy got cut and came. I mean, his uptick and performances and everything to me is just so impressive as to where Kai's had, obviously, a steady trajectory up. But to me, the jump Moreno's made. And and then moving to Vegas and, and centering his camps around himself, I think it's just made him better. Utilizing the PI, as you mentioned, Kai doesn't have any five round experience. Um, and though I think he has, obviously, he has the ability to go five rounds. I think he'll be in shape. He can put the uh, Moreno's lights out at any point, so there's mm-hmm. no guarantee it goes five rounds. But Moreno is so tough, and I do think this fight's going to go long because of that reason. Um, so the fact that he's never been five rounds. I just think that's a big advantage for Moreno. And lastly, this fight's in Texas, baby. Uh, so I think we're going to see a very pro Moreno crowd. <laughs> I think he feeds off of that. He will feed off of that, um, especially the longer the fight goes. I mean, they're they're going to be going nuts for him. Um, so I am going to take uh, Brandon Moreno. <sighs> Unanimous decision, man. I, I think it's Kai's tough, um, but... Yeah, I, I'm gonna go decision. I'll say unanimous decision. I think it goes long, over three rounds, either way. Moreno's fought Figueroa three times. Three. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fight time in five round. And you know, he hits five hard. round experience he hits, and yeah. like Figueroa's the champ. He's the number yeah. one guy. Right. So I just think that Moreno is gonna take a lot of that into this fight, like you said, sure. experience. He knows where he's at in the division. He knows how good he is. Not to say that Kai's not good, but I just think that. I would agree. I think Moreno's kind of surpassed a little bit where he was, and I don't know that Kai has. Mm. Kai hits very hard, arguably mm. harder than Moreno, so I think that's going to be you know in his back pocket. So I'll take Moreno. I think we could see some grappling here. I'm going to say Moreno, mm. fourth-round submission. I'm okay. going to stick with that. Yeah. All righty, boys. The last fight that we are going to preview from this really, really good card. Excited for this one, UFC 277, number five. Derek Lewis versus number 11, Sergei Pavlovich. Boys, since going on a five-fight win streak and losing his interim title fight to Surreal Gone, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis, is 1-1 one one in his last two. He rebounded with a first-round KO of Chris Dawkins in December of last year, but then lost his last fight to Tai Tuovasa back in February uh, by second-round knockout. Um, and, and real quickly... I want to interject this is I don't think Lewis gets enough respect or credit for being one of the more active heavyweights on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and dang near in the UFC. I mean, this dude fights a lot mm-hmm. and, and credit to him for that, uh, which is ironic because his opponent this Saturday night is probably the exact opposite of that. Sergey Pavlovich came into the UFC back in 2018 and lost his debut to Alistair Overeem, which is his only professional loss on his record. Um, not a bad loss to have there. Um, then he won back to back fights in 20, 2019, but then didn't fight again until March of this year where he beat Shamil Abdurrahimov by first round KO. Um, that almost two-year layoff, though, was attributed to injuries, travel, visa issues, you know, not really things within his control. Uh, but nonetheless, he is a very dangerous striker. Mm-hmm. Uh, of his 15 professional wins, 12 of them were by knockout, all 12 in the first round. Uh, to say don't blink in this one is pretty much an understatement as both men, obviously very dangerous power punchers. I do kind of worry a bit, though, that we might see both men a little bit too much respect early on. 
Hope we don't see another Lewis and Gagne all over, though, because that does make me a little nervous with this when you get two guys like that. But these guys, I, I'm really excited, man. This is a scary, scary matchup for two just devastating punchers. Mm-hmm. John, roll us into your pick. Let's go. We're going back to the Heart Boys. Baby. I knew it. I was. I wasn't gonna say <laughs> it, but I knew. The, I knew. And, and here's my thing. You know, Overeem was. Um, it's Pavlovich. Is that how you're saying yep. it? Sergey Pavlovich. Sergey. Oh, I'll just go with that. Overeem was his toughest opponent. He got knocked out by him. Hasn't really beat anybody. Yeah, hold on. Right. Yes. Do want to spe- and I'm not stopping you. Right. Real quick, I do want to specify though, the knockout was on the ground. Right. So right. he got TKO. taken down. Finish. TKO'd. I'm just saying, I don't think we're gonna see Derek no. Lewis take him down and TKO him. Did you some takedowns in the he two did of us? Throw two of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's fair. That is fair, but it was on the ground. Yeah. yeah. Well, and well, I guess what I'm getting to with it too, though, is the level of people that Sergey is beating isn't the same, obviously, as Derek Lewis or the people that Derek Lewis is fighting. Sure. And like we say with Derek Lewis, when you look at his losses, they're only to the very top guys. So obviously, this could be very telling. Um, but I'm rolling with Derek Lewis, first round TKO. He needs to get his uh, dub back for Texas after the Houston <laughs> performance. You know, this one is ultimately to me just going to come down to whoever lands first. As cliche mm-hmm. and boring as that sounds, boys, that's just kind of right. what this is. You know, um, I don't think there's a hometown advantage here necessarily no. due to the fact Derek did lose his last two fights that he's had in Texas. Um, <clears throat> I also think, though, with seeing Lewis finished in his last two fights, um, or the you know two, two, of his two, two of his last three you know he's 37 years old um, you know you have to start wondering if maybe that chin is kind of fading a bit um, he's as dangerous as ever but mm-hmm. I am going to go with Pavlovich on this one I think uh, when it comes down to him he's going to put that 84 inch reach to work um, in this one and I think he's going to find Lewis's chin Lewis man he makes me so nervous because he's so willing to just fight with his back up against the cage almost and mm-hmm. I just don't think you can do that you know, to with a guy like Pavlovich, you know, I saw an interesting stat that Pavlovich does get hit a lot. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I think he's like fifty over fifty percent is just over fifty percent significant strikes strikes absorbed. Mm-hmm. So he does get hit. He's very hittable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's just this is literally who lands first because even with two of us and gone right, they're different strikers. Both right. of them traditional more kickboxers light on their feet flow a little i mean not so much to avasa but pavlovich isn't going to leg kick him right? right i mean so it's just to me they're just going to start swinging it. or they're going to load up right hands and miss yeah, a bunch and that could be true too they're going to be hugging by the third uh so i'll but i will take pavlovich first round knockout yeah, i'm going to take pavlovich here too um i just think that lewis he would he talked about how that played into the gun loss when he was in texas and having the pressure and then he lost his next fight in texas to to, to avasa um, so I think that does make a difference, and this one's in Texas, and this mm-hmm. guy's a banger. Um, he's been knocked out um, twice in his last three. Um, JDS knocked him out um, with that kick. Mm-hmm. So we know he can be finished. I To me, this is just he's the younger guy. Um, Lewis is older. I, I just think it makes some sense to go with Pavlovich. Wouldn't be surprised to see Lewis throw you can't count Lewis a crazy right sure. hand and win via knockout. But yeah. if, I'm, if I'm thinking with my head, I'm going to go with Pavlovich sure. here. Yeah, it's just whoever lands, man. This is, I think, I don't know the odds, but this has got to be close to a pick em. Um, Real quick, boys, also on this card, Alex Pereira, Perez, excuse me, versus Alexandre Pantoja. Crazy. Another great flyweight. Uh, you know, Perez returning after almost a two-year layoff. Uh, you know, winner of that could be looking at, you know, title shot next. Then one that I'm also extremely excited for is Magomed Ankalaev versus Anthony Lionheart-Smith. Once again, man, you talk about, obviously, probably Jerry Glover next, but one of these guys wins this fight, 
could be looking at another number one contender match. Uh, looking down the card, Alex Morono. I see Drew Dober, Jakar Close, uh, my boy uh, uh, Nego New. I can't remember his first name. Nikolai Nego New, <laughs> my Romanian brother. Uh, let's see. Blood Diamond it. getting his Blood Diamond's shot. back on the card, baby. Let's go, Blood Diamond. <laughs> Is he uh, the one that ran across the cage and tripped? No, him? he's no. the one that trains with Izzy. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. That dude that he fought ran in a oh, weird okay, circle, okay. and it was a weird scramble, and ended up getting tapped. But yeah, great card. Yep, ready for it, boys. Let's get to the news. Going on the news, mm, going on the news. Mm, mm. And if you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. The news, the news, baby. All right, well, we're gonna start off before we get to the heavy stuff with some um, some interesting things. We have a fighter added. I don't know if you guys seen this, Mohammed Usman. Got added to the UFC roster, brother of Kamara Usman. So that'll be interesting to see how he does. I know. I know. He's just yeah, all right. I've I seen know. him. He's been in the PFL yeah. for a while. Um, it's not Kamara. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they put him on the same card as him yeah. or whatever, whatever. Um, I don't know if you guys seen this too, but also Frankie is requested to have his final fight be at the 281 Madison Square Garden yeah. card. Says he'll fight whoever. He also mentioned possibly like a Dominique Cruz, but I think that's a little out the way. Give him Patty um, Pimblett. The Frankie Edgar yeah. return to 155. <laughs> I, I did see uh, Cody Stamen called him out for that fight. Said he'd love to be his last fight. Sure. I mean, I could see that one making a little bit of sense. Um, we also have another fight announcement. Johnny Walker and Kutalabe are going to be on 279. What's Kutalabe's first name? Ion. Ion? Ion? I wanted John to say it. Ion? I was going to say Ion. Let me see. Keep on moving through. Now we get to the... Oh, before I get to the big, big stuff, Bellator happened on Friday. Jason Jackson defeating Douglas Lima, 50-45 on all judges' scorecards. Smothered him. Wrestled him really well. Also... Um, Sydney Outlaw losing to Tofik Musavev. He's the Risen former champion that beat Patricia when they did the um, crossover event with Bellator and Risen. Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov defeating Chris Gonzalez via submission, and he called out the fight with Pitbull Looked for the good. title. Yeah, Looked Lorenz Larkin good. lose by a legal elbow. I, I I have so much respect for Bellator as a promotion, but if we don't see Usman in the UFC here soon, it's right bad. Um, also, the big news for 279, obviously, is being Hamzat Chemaev and Nate Diaz. Mm-hmm. Um, Official. Five rounds, and it's the main event. Yeah. So, I don't it's know what else. It's like one of the first non-title main events in a while. Yeah. Well, no, Masvidal Colby. Oh, yeah. When was that? Um, not too long ago. Okay. There's, yeah. there's been a couple of them, but yeah. not a lot. Um, so, that one, obviously, we've, we talked about Nate Diaz last week. So Yeah, it's it's interesting, man. You know, you, you, you talk about, as far as for Diaz, like, there's just so many factors because if he wins this, I mean, it's going to be crazy. And he yeah. then he literally holds just all walks the away. power. I just don't see how. I mean, I don't either. Yeah. I, di- I didn't see that fumbling Leon Edwards in the last couple of minutes of the fifth round either. Ooh. But Leon Edwards out grappled Diaz there. Yeah. I don't think he's, yeah. It just, it's so interesting because, you know, I thought Gilbert Burns with his jiu-jitsu did make that fight very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, Nate's great off his back. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> I don't just know. very different jiu-jitsu, though. It I is. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. It just, it's just kind of a crummy way for him to kind of go out, though. I'm well, for it. <laughs> and, and, well, and I don't see Nate Diaz as like a, a full 170-er. Yeah, I don't think he's that big. I think he's I been able to work that way. But when I think of Nate Diaz, I think of one fifty five. I don't I think it. I just have a feeling he's just. I just have a feeling he's not going to show up. 
Yeah. Oh, he's going to show up. What if he just goes in there and just taps on the mat? He as soon wants as they out. Started? And this, I mean, like, he, that's he, what I mean. Like a Nick Diaz thing. No, he wants out of his contract. I mean, that's why he took this fight, right? Because they say they've been offering. Every time he turns down a fight, it just extends his contract. So I think this is just happening from what I've kind of gathered from people more in the know than us is obviously is he literally is just like so desperate to get out of his contract that it's just like, I'll take what, like at this point, just give me this dude so I can just get out of here. But if he doesn't fight or turns it down or doesn't show up, they just can keep extending him. Like he, he's, he doesn't get to leave until he gets this last fight. So he's going to show up. It's going to happen. I mean, you know, obviously yeah. providing no injuries or anything, but um, Diaz is hard to put away, so it might be tough to watch round as it gets deeper. But who knows how Hamza his cardio holds up deeper? You just never know, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so last week we talked about the big announcement for 280 being Charles Oliveira and Islam. So this week we get early in the week we get an announcement of Pierre Yan and Sean O'Malley being announced for 280. Oh, yeah. That was in an interview, and then everybody else kind of had to backstrap. I was like, yeah, I know. That's for real. Then shortly after that, we get announced that Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw being added to 280 as the co-main. Shortly after that, we get Benil Darush and Mateusz Gamrot. 280, added on to 280. And then we get announced that Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Limoges is getting added as well. Five cards. I I don't know if I've – it's been a long time since they've had five fights Let's just say Abu Dhabi rolled the bag oh. out. <laughs> they, they like they just like wrote a check with Dana and was just like here, fill it to like oh, <laughs> whoever, whoever, just bring them. Like I love this card. I absolutely hate that it's on Fight Island. Yeah, I think, I just, that's, I think that's how they make it up to you, right? It just it, I <laughs> give know, you everything man, you want, but just, give it to I can't. Place I know you don't we're I know we're just beating a dead horse here, but man, it's just we've just heard enough to know it's just not. It, it just could be bad, you yeah. know, for some guys and. I don't know. It just, it just. I mean, I'm. Don't get me wrong. This card is going to be insane. Yeah, and, and it's kind of like a throwback because remember the the UFC used to do a really good job of putting sure. contenders under the title fights to yeah. kind of give you like to kind of really easily set up the next one. And I think they're doing that here a lot with you know obviously the Yan and O'Malley because O'Malley beats Peter Yan. I mean, he can't wait anymore. At that point, you've beat the top dog there as far as who's available. And Benil and Gamrot, that's another huge one that could be a step up for. Um, Charles and I don't know. It's a really, really great card. You guys surprised that <clears throat> Islam opened at almost two and a half favorite over Oliveira? Yeah, I just to see him as that much of a favorite this early to me is like it's a little interesting. I do think it'll move a little bit, um, but like I know, like you know, you know, Oliveira is like I'm not afraid to go to the ground. Like, I'll start on my butt. Like I'm not afraid to have this guy on top of me. Mm-hmm. I believe him. Right. Like. <laughs> like I, to me, I just feel like, man, what we've seen from Oliveira, I mean, Islam's great. And if you ask me this, you know, this time last year, I'd have been like, yeah, of course. I'm surprised he wasn't three and a half, you know, favorite mm-hmm. or whatever. But, man, I just feel like what we've seen out of Oliveira, to see that much of a favorite, like, I'm not a gambler, but, man, I no. would seriously consider making a hefty bet there. Right, and I think what his what Islam's manager, Ali, said is more true for Islam. Who is Islam beat to get to this point to be favorited over the guy who's beat the top three guys available and finish well, them? I just think it's more the performance, the dominance, you know, of some of them. But, like, the thing is, is he's been finished. Like, right. we've seen him, like, even with Habib, right? We never saw him finish. We saw him dropped or rocked a little bit from Michael Johnson, but we've seen Islam finished. Like, he's not this un- impossible. And we've seen him struggle grappling with Sarukian. Yeah, you know, he's just not this impossible force that I don't think Habib was, but it's like, 
I think you know Habib and Islam maybe they just the want UFC, a new Habib. But they've so just bad. done, yeah. I mean, they've done enough to just build us up to think that like he's just gonna plow through Oliveira, and I'm like, man, I just think that's a risky thought to have. <laughs> like, Anybody, <laughs> not saying that. Well, I think especially on the ground, right? Like yeah. if you want to say you're gonna knock him out, I mean, even that's like, well, nobody's done it this far. Chandler, Gaethje, Poirier, yeah, they've all struggled. But like to say, oh no, we can go out there and outgrab him. That's hard. To, like that's even harder for me. It's like one. I mean, you see what he did against Tony. Tony's yeah. obviously a really good grappler, yeah. and I think I, I know Josh Thompson had made a comment like about how the those daggy guys just laugh at the jujitsu guys in their gym and basically just make fun of them for how bad they are at grappling. It's fair but, enough. Though. But Charles Oliveira, we're talking about the most submissions in the UFC. Yeah, there's just and they're off. Levels. A lot of them are off his back. This dude's yeah. done a calf slice. So like we'll see. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited for it. But I just I was really shocked to see. That. I mean, maybe not so much that he's the favorite, but just to see that much, like it's just like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's a little disrespectful. And to the another interesting one is uh, the Hamzat. He's a minus one thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Diaz is a plus seven fifty. So yeah, that's probably a little bit more appropriate. But <laughs> I, I seen some. I seen somebody made a, a meme that was like. Um, here comes Drake running through the crowd to put two million on Nate Diaz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that it? That's all we got for the news this week. All right, boys. Song of the week. One of my favorite gym songs. I'm going with 50 Cent. I'm the man. Yeah. Love that song. That's um, your gym song? One of them. Mm. It's one of my faves. Gets me going. You might add it to yours. It's pretty soft, but all right. I know that I mean, song. 50 Cent's been shot. Like you don't know times. that song. I didn't say he was soft. I said oh, that song was okay. soft. You haven't heard that song. I can promise. Okay. Uh, John, what is your one for the people? My one for the people is uh, I actually got to enjoy some ice cream with a state representative this weekend. Who was it? Uh, I'm not going to tell you right now. I'll tell you off camera. Oh, fair Got to keep my political ties what? to the side, you know. You ate ice cream? Did you do it on purpose? No, they showed up and we started talking to them. So who was it? Why can't you say? I don't understand. <laughs> it's not like you set up a meeting. No, yes. it's it's one of uh, my girlfriend's co-worker's husband. His, uh, Kavanaugh, oh. he's a house representative. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, oh, okay. yeah. They showed up and her and... My girlfriend started talking, and then he was sitting there, and me and him just started talking. Mm. John, I love how uncomfortably you say girlfriend. <laughs> She's more than a girlfriend, man. I know. You say my, my girlfriend. Well, I didn't know if I wanted to say her name. I almost said her name, and then I almost said okay, girlfriend, okay. so I was kind of in between. Okay, okay. So you guys yeah. been together long enough. You can commit to it, man. Yeah. My turn? Yep. My one for the people wait, is... Wait, real quick. Did you talk politics? No, not really. We talked about, like, work. Well, you were the wrong guy. Brandon would have loved that. Oh, yeah, that would have been fun. He probably wouldn't have enjoyed his ice cream that day. <laughs> you would have ruined it. <laughs> um, my one for the people, uh, I have something. So I watched yes. the, uh, so I'm going to see Machine Gun Kelly in August. Right? Yep. I think I've said that. Super so hype you are. To prepare, <laughs> I watched the Machine Gun Kelly documentary on Kelly. Hulu. I've never watched a documentary on a musician before. Okay. So take that for what it's worth. But it was really good. I thought it was cool to see like some insight into the recording process and his background and you know, because he's a, interesting because he kind of flipped genres a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that was cool to see, like, what kind of sparked that with COVID and things like that. So Do you feel more connected cool. to him? Bigger yeah, fan? I do. I, I almost literally can't stand him. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I used to be a big fan. So I have this thing, and, I, and I've talked to you about it more specifically. This isn't my one for the people, but it might just become it. Uh, I have this thing with white rappers. Um, is I feel like a lot of them, with the exception of Eminem, use rap to get into the door and then once they're in there they sell out and do the music that they really just wanted to do the whole time Mm -hmm. mgk post malone doing country i love post malone though um but uh you know doing like country and like Mm -hmm. it's like every white rapper gets in and then they start like genre bending yellow wolf yellow wolf that's a great example but But what's wrong with that it just i don't know because i feel like i just i don't know (laughs) 
I, I don't want to say something I'm going to regret, okay. but just a lot of, I think there's a little cultural appropriation going on there. Oh goodness. I just, Here we go. you're just utilizing this this genre that you feel like is easy to get in. And most but of them, most, successful. But most of them can't sing. That's so why they rap. That, so you're saying that rap's a genre that's easy to no, get into? I, no, I'm not saying that. You definitely have to be talented. All these people are talented, but none of them can sing. So that's why they're not in rock bands or country singers. So they develop a big name, a big following, and then they throw auto-tune on their voice, make a song that sounds good with auto-tune, and people love it because they're just fans of them. But they would have never had those fans if they didn't uh, build that fan base through hip-hop. Mm. I, I need more time to like deconstruct your argument here, but I don't yeah, know that's if fine. I agree That's fair you. enough. I mean, just like I said... It, MGK cannot sing. Same thing Hootie did. If if you if you were like if you were like walking downtown Kokomo listening to like Strawberry Festival and MGK and his band were up there and he he was a nobody. How would you cl- how would you classify his genre? Not rap. The, punk the rock. He's, he's punk. He's, he's do like you think a, punk rock? Pop punk. People. Maybe? Do you think they're singers? Dude, yeah. Come on, dude. Bl- who's Blink One Eighty Two singer? That's a great. He's a great singer. And it's so exact. Like, and MGK does that. Like, it's just so exaggerated <laughs> and so bad. In oh, my game. In my game. Can you just, real quick, give me one more, like, punk rock artist. Rock, punk rock Dude, artist. Dude, I don't listen to. I mean, I do. That's enjoy my point. It. That right there is my point. Because I wouldn't. I mean, you I say there's singers. But here's the thing. Like, I listen to. I, who do you want? Like, I like I like Blink 182. They're good. I think they're kind of like punk rock. But um, to say that they're. To say that they're I just singers, don't know their names. I know punk rock bands. But or, to say. I guess to say that they're singers and that he's not a good. I just wouldn't agree with that. Because, like, I, I. I think when I think of a singer, I'm thinking, like, Beyonce, Katy Perry, Dave Matthews, those oh, guys. Like pop punk is a pop pop punk is or punk pop rock, whatever you want to say, yeah. is a very specific type of music. And I don't know that singing is a is a massive part of that. Maybe that could be a fair argument, but I'm just it still remains the same. Like and I agree, I don't think he's a good singer, but that's yeah. not my point. I, I, think he's good. I think he's good. I don't. I think he's good for the genre as somebody who is a massive fan of punk pop. Jesus, punk. Punk, punk pop. There you go. You said rock it. Punk. I mean, um, really, MGK is more punk pop. I don't think there's much rock going. Yeah, on. I mean, I, I mean, he's got some good guitar. Kind of alternative-ish, like, maybe. Yeah, he just. I don't know. He just to me, it's just. I don't know. He just doesn't. And when I listen to like a Fallout Boy or a Blink One Eighty Two, I don't like recognize mm. how bad the singer is. And when I listen to MGK, I'm like, oh gosh, he can just not sing. To me, I but I feel like that's probably you just lumping in your previous mis like not liking no, him I, into. I mean, to be honest with you, like I. I have a musical mind. I have a musical ear. I've done music my whole life to some extent. So I think it could be a difference in like, I can hear when people are missing notes and different things like that too. Mm -hmm. And you can hear errors in recording. Sometimes I can hear where they're using auto tune to pull them back into key, you know, different things like that. Do you listen to anything from mainstream sellout? Yeah. Like what song? You know my ex that makes it all feel complicated. (laughs) Any of the ones that aren't like on the radio? (laughs) The Bloody Valentine. That's on the radio. I don't listen to the radio, so I have no idea. That was from. uh, Um, I've heard like three or four of them. The bigger ones. From the album that just came out. I don't know, dude. I don't listen to him. I used to. So when he was from the land, I listened to him. Yeah. Then he left the land and. Dude. I don't even know what happened. Yeah. Started Once you started life. having live drummers, dude. Boy, what a changed. good conversation right at the end. <laughs> what a way to end this, this, this MMA podcast. My one for the people real quick was actually going to be for Brandon. It was just a suggestion. You know, we talked about the uh, Staircase documentary. Yeah, yeah. Got a new one for you. Check out The Mind of a Murder on HBO Max. It's about the Nebraska Six mm. uh, or the Beatrice Six, they call them. Mm. Get back to me. 
Okay. I still have no idea. Same thing. <laughs> I've right. got no idea. But there's a lot of like mental health stuff that I think you'll enjoy in there as well. Cool. Cool stuff to like think it. about. Yep. Process. Boys, we did it. We will yeah. be back next Monday. Uh-huh. Uh, recapping UFC 277 and getting you ready for whatever fight night's next. There'll be one, I'm sure. Yeah. Peace. Bye. Peace.